Hey there, this is Brian Zond, and welcome to my sermon podcast. I'm glad that you're interested in the sermons that I preach here at Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And if you ever feel inclined to help us by supporting us financially, you can do that at our website, wolc.com. Thank you. I am, I am very excited. about. I feel like I have a word from the Lord that that does come from elsewhere, and it comes from heaven, and it's going to bring grace into your life. My message this morning is entitled, Depart From Me. Simon Peter said to Jesus, Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. After his baptism and his time of preparation in the wilderness, fasting and praying 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus relocated to Capernaum. It's a beautiful fishing village on the Sea of Galilee. We we call it the Sea of Galilee. But it's also called the Lake of Gennesaret or the Lake of Tiberias. It's really a lake, you know, Sea is a very grandiose term for this little body of water. It's 14 miles long, seven miles wide. At any point, you always see the other side of the, of the Sea of Galilee. Now, in Capernaum, this fishing village, there were a couple of brothers, uh, the Jonason brothers, Simon and Andrew. Sons of Jonah, Jonasons. And they were fishermen. Originally they were from Bethsaida, which is four miles away. But Simon had married a woman in Capernaum and they had relocated there. And we actually know Peter's house. The ruins of it are there to this day. I mean, we know, we know precisely where it is. Been there so many times. It's right there on the sea. They're fishermen, professional fishermen. One night, Simon and Andrew, they fished all night long and caught nothing. That's disheartening when you're a professional fisherman. No fish, no pay. They were pretty good at what they did. They had a successful fishing operation. This didn't happen often, but it happened that night. All night long, they fished and caught nothing. Maybe it's a metaphor. You know, throw the net out, pull it up, come up empty. Still haven't found what I'm looking for. And you keep doing it and you just come up empty every time. Still haven't found what I'm looking for. Finally, the sun's coming up and they bring their boat to shore and they are washing their nets. And that's when Jesus showed up. Now, Jesus was new to town, but he was getting quite a reputation as a preacher and healer. And Jesus said to Simon, I've got an idea. I'm going to be speaking to the people this morning, but they're always, you know, rushing me and and clinging to me. And I I would rather just first talk to them. So this is my idea. 
I'll get in your boat. You push it out just a little bit, just a little bit. And I'll sit in the boat and the people will be on the shore and I can teach them. Simon thought that's odd, but okay, why not? So that's what they do. And the multitude gathered on the shore. Jesus sat in the boat and taught them about the kingdom of God. When Jesus had finished and dismissed the crowd, he then said to Simon, the fisherman, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now the scripture doesn't tell us, but I don't need to be told. I know what Simon's thinking. Hey, he's a carpenter. Turned preacher. He knows about preaching. He knows about carpentry. I'm the fisherman here. I don't, mean, I don't need to be told how to catch fish, but he doesn't say any of that. He says, well, you know, we did fish all night and catch nothing, but at your word, we'll do it. I think that he was just going to, I think he just thought it was easier to show him that they just weren't going to catch any fish right now rather than to argue with him. So he launched out into the, out into the deep, Takes the net like he'd done all night long, coming up empty, throws it in. And there was a catch. Oh, was there a catch. There were so many fish that the nets began to break and they had to call their business partners, the Zebedee boys, James and John. So get over here, help us. We've never had a catch like this. And they end up filling Two boats, to the extent they were almost ready to sink. Now, this isn't a great catch. This isn't a big catch. This is a miraculous catch. And Simon knows this. And it unsettles him. He realizes that he's in the presence of a very holy man. This is, this is someone like Moses or Elijah. And he finds this intimidating and he's afraid that Jesus has not really known who he is. He's a fisherman. He's not a saint. He's not a rabbi. He's not a particularly righteous man or anything like that. And he's overcome by this and he drops to his knees before Jesus. And he says, depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. He's saying, you probably don't know what I'm really like. And it'd be best that you don't find out. You'd be disappointed in me. So just, you, you may be thinking I'm something I'm not. Depart from me, O oh Lord. I'm a sinful man. To which Jesus said, don't be afraid. I'm going to make something out of you. Don't be afraid. This is a new beginning for you. Don't be afraid. The story concludes with these words. They left everything and followed him. They did. Simon was there for it all. Remember, he gets his name changed. He becomes Peter. Jesus gives him a new name. And he was there for it all. All the preaching, 
all the miracles. Feeding the 5,000, he's carrying one of the baskets. Every healing, every person raised from the dead, he was there. For three years, he follows Jesus. Never went back to fishing. Is a disciple of Jesus of Nazareth. He's there, he sees it all. And he was a sinful man. And in the crucial moment, he forgot that. And it led to a catastrophe. When around a charcoal fire in the courtyard of Caiaphas, he denied three times that he even knew Jesus. After the resurrection, the disciples had returned to Galilee. Peter's not sure where he stands and he doesn't know what comes next. He'd had a three-year apprentice program with Jesus, but in the crucial moment, he denied him three times. One evening he says, I'm going fishing. And six other disciples went with him and they went out and they fished. This is the, this is the second time he's fished, or the first time he's fished in, in three years. And he fishes all night and catches nothing. Deja vu, same thing all over again. All night, fishing, nothing. He's thinking, I used to be pretty good at this. What's going on? Fishes all night, catches nothing. In the morning, the sun's coming up. There's a stranger on the shore. He says, hey guys, you got any fish? Did you catch any fish? No. Well, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Like all the fish are on the right side of the boat. They throw the net on the right side of the boat. Bang. Miraculous catch again. 153 large fish. John Zebedee says at first, it's the Lord. And Peter throws himself into the sea, swims to shore. Where Jesus has prepared breakfast around a charcoal fire. Jesus has recreated the scene of the crime. But it's going to be for restoration. During that breakfast, Jesus will say three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Because three times Peter had said, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. That was a hard breakfast. But Peter was restored. And that story ends like this. After this, Jesus said to him, follow me. And he did. Peter's journey with Jesus begins with Peter saying, depart from me, O Lord, for I'm a sinful man. That's where it begins. To which Jesus said, don't be afraid. But what about the other depart from me? I've given this 
sermon, the title, Depart From Me. And if you've been around church, if you've been around the Bible somewhat, you hear a sermon called Depart From Me and you go, yikes, this one's going to be rough. Because what about that other depart from me, the more infamous depart from me, the dreaded depart from me? It comes at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is talking about those that call him Lord, 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 but they don't do what he says. They have a kind of an appearance of religion, but they don't actually follow Jesus. Jesus says, I will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Now, what are we to make of these two depart from me's? To the sincere sinner who knows and admits he's a sinner, who of his own accord says, depart from me, O Lord, I'm a sinful man. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm a sinner, Jesus, depart from me. I'm not going to give up on you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of me. I'm here to rescue you. I'm here to help you. Don't be afraid of me. I know you're a sinner. That's why I'm here. Of course I know this. Don't be afraid. I'm going to help you. All right. But to the hypocritical sinner who will not admit he's a sinner, and there's people like that, never, never any self-reflection, never in any interior work, never an honest evaluation of their self. They just sort of float through life oblivious and somehow, somehow think they've never sinned. Or not much, or it doesn't matter. To the hypocritical sinner who won't admit that he's a sinner, Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me. The issue with, Je with, with Jesus isn't sin per se. That's not the issue. I mean, we're all sinners. I mean, it's an issue, but it's, it's not the defining issue. Jesus has no hesitation about engaging with sinners. In fact, he's the friend of sinners. How many of you are a sinner? All right, Jesus wants to be your friend. The issue with Jesus isn't sin per se. The issue is honesty. To be a, to be a soul of integrity. To, to be integral, that is to be to be whole, to be undivided, not living a lie, not becoming a contradiction. I mean, I know we all fail to a certain extent to live up to our lofty ideals, but we try to be aware of that and understand that we're falling short and we, we, we confess it. But there are those that apparently seem to be oblivious to that. And they're living deeper and deeper and deeper into their own contradiction living deeper and deeper into a false self, a lie. Now, as long as we're honest about being a sinner, Jesus is merciful. As long as, I mean, we, we talk about the Jesus prayer that I hope you pray every day and maybe many times a day. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. How many of you pray that sometimes? Yeah, I pray it daily, many times a day. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. 
Or the short, just, you know, short. Now, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Just imagine that every time you pray that prayer, Jesus responds by saying, don't be afraid. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Don't be afraid. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Don't be afraid. And by the speaking of the word of Jesus to not be afraid, fear begins to be dispelled and you begin to be established in peace. As long as we're honest about being a sinner, Jesus is merciful. It's when we start living into a lie and become a contradiction that we get into real trouble. Either it's maybe the arrogant way that we're typical of. You think of people that are just hypocrites, but then you'll have other people go, oh, I don't like that word sinner. It triggers me. I don't want to be thought of as a sinner. Well, it's, it's a diagnosis. It's a diagnosis. I don't know if it triggers you, but... Just go ahead and accept the diagnosis. You're a sinner. But see, if you run from that and try to say, no, I'm not. I'm not a sinner. That's when you get in trouble. That becomes dangerous. That becomes a problem. As Jesus enters into judgment with us, and we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. I mean, this we know. There comes a moment when our life is judged by Christ. When Jesus Christ enters into judgment with us, we will hear one of two things. Don't be afraid or depart from me. This judgment is determined by whether or not we're honest, honest with ourselves and honest with God about who we are. I'm a sinner, don't be afraid. I'm not a sinner. Depart from me. But, because I've just brought you this far. I'm 17 minutes into it. I got a little thing back here that tells me. But we're just getting to the good part. Because I've set this up. But does Jesus ever really say to someone, depart from me? It seems, it seems perhaps a bit out of character. And that's why that depart from me is so dreadful. Let's have a deeper look at this. To whom does Jesus say depart from me? Well, it's prefaced by, I never knew you. So Jesus says depart from me to those to whom he doesn't know. Who does Jesus say department to? To those he doesn't know. Now that raises another question. What does the omniscient Christ, who is the judge of the world, not know? I don't, I don't know you. Depart from me. But what does the omniscient Christ, who is the judge of the world, not know? And the answer to the question is Nothing. What does the omniscient Christ not know? Nothing. Nothing. What does Jesus not know? Nothing. What Christ doesn't know ultimately doesn't exist. Jesus says, depart from me to those to whom he also says, I don't know who you are. To the real you, 
To the true you, Jesus will never say, depart from me. But to the false self of sin that we try to create, Jesus in his mercy says, I don't know who you are, depart from me. It's only the false illusory self, a self that doesn't really exist, that is rejected by Jesus. Thomas Merton wrote about this 60 years ago. In New Seeds of Contemplation, he writes, Every one of us is shadowed by an illusory person, a false self. This is the man that I want myself to be, but who cannot exist because God does not know anything about him. And to be unknown by God is altogether too much privacy. That's a great line. That's, that's your tweetable line right there. Thomas Merton. And to be unknown by God is altogether too much privacy. My false and private self is the one who wants to exist outside the reach of God's will and God's love, outside of reality and outside of life. And such a self cannot help but be an illusion. The secret of my true identity is hidden in the love and mercy of God. The attempt to create a self unknown to God is to cooperate with diabolical non-being. We're created in the image of God. We're created to bear the image of God. But when we move toward idolatry and injustice, when we move towards sin, we're moving towards something not created by God. And that ultimately is diabolical non-being. Evil is ultimately non-being, as St. Augustine observed 1,600 years ago. That evil does not, in and of itself, exist. In philosophy, we would say it does not have ontological being. It is rather parasitical. It is a marring in the fabric. of It is a whole. Think of, think of a, a lovely piece of fabric, but it's been marred and there's a hole in it. What is a hole? A hole is what? It's nothing. It's nothing. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. But it can mar that which does exist and that which is good. That's the nature of evil. Evil does not exist unto itself because it's not created by God. It is a marring in the fabric of the goodness of God's creation. Ultimately, only that which belongs to non-being is cast out in God's final judgment. Our true identity is hidden in the love and mercy of God. Salvation calls us forth into our true self. Now, you know, we're Christians and and we use the word salvation all the time. It's in our vocabulary, it's in our theology, it's in our scriptures. But I've long been aware of a terrible problem that has beset us. And that is we keep making salvation smaller and smaller and smaller and maybe removed a bit from us. That's when it becomes a ticket. I got my ticket to go to the good place. 
That's not what salvation. First of all, you have to understand what the object of God's salvation is, and it's you. God's not trying to save your destiny or your place. He's trying to save you. You. Trying to save you. So that you become who you were created by God to be. That Christ will say, depart from me to our false self is an act of saving grace. In the end, all that is lost is that which does not exist. You could say it this way. This is a very theological statement, but I think I could support it. Non-being cannot inherit eternal life. All right, so I've been kind of bouncing around with some abstract theology. Let me see if I can make it more. I mean, I, I summed it up by saying non-being cannot inherit eternal life. Let's say it this way. Have you ever been disappointed in yourself? Oh, I got some amens all right off the bat with that one. Have you <laughs> even applaud? Okay, hang in there. I'm going to help you. And I can take it a step further. Maybe some of you have not merely been disappointed in yourself. You've even been disgusted with yourself. And have you ever, in that moment of self-disgust, said something like, that's not who I am? Anybody ever done anything like that? That's not who I am. That's not who I am. The good news is, that's true. That's not who you are. That's the good news. Sin and Satan are trying to uncreate you into that person. Not create. Understand. Sin and evil cannot create. Only God can create. But they can uncreate in such a way that it seems like sort of a distorted, macabre creation. But it's actually just a marring. It's just a tearing of the fabric of the goodness. Sin and Satan are trying to uncreate you into a person that ultimately has non-being. A person to whom the living Christ will look and say, I don't know you. I don't know you. Depart from me. It's only that that's not who I am self. To whom Jesus says depart from me. So all right, hang with me. You've had those moments of self-disappointment, self-disgust, and you said, that's not who I am. It's to that, that's not who I am self, that Jesus says, depart from me. That's good news. Because Jesus knows who we truly are and who we are truly meant to be, in his mercy, he refuses to acknowledge the false self that sin and evil are uncreating us into. Salvation entails the exorcism of the false self formed in sin and non-being. And it may be a lengthy process. It may not happen like that. It probably doesn't and probably won't. But salvation is an exorcism of the false self formed in sin and non-being. And for Jesus to say to that self, depart from me, I never knew you, is an act of saving grace. To the true you, to the one created in the image of God, this is what Jesus says. I will never leave you nor forsake you. To the true self, 
And the true self can have these moments of awakening and go, I'm at times not myself. I'm not who I'm meant to be. And we feel that and we say, that self, that's not who I am, but it, it, it's, a, it's, it's sin. And when we say to Jesus, depart from me for I'm a sinful person, Jesus says, don't be afraid, I'm not going away. I'm not offended at you. I'm not here to give up on you. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to save you. But if you don't recognize the diagnosis of sin, and you say, oh, I'm never going to do any self-reflection. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And, and then you begin to be uncreated into a false self to which Jesus will have to say, I don't know. Who, who's this? Who's this? I don't know this, this person. That must depart from me. But only so that Jesus can save the true you, the real you, to whom he will say, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Is that good news to anybody here? Jesus is not giving up on you. Go ahead and own the diagnosis. I found out what the problem is. I'm a sinner. But I also found out that Jesus is friends with people like me. Not only that, but he heals us. And you stay with Jesus because he's going to stay with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a praise clap. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I, li I like that sermon. It made me happy. Stand up with me. We're going to confess our faith because our faith is all in Jesus. When I preach, I'm really just telling stories and, and Jesus is always the hero of my story. He, he's, he's the protagonist. He's the hero. He's the one. We're going to confess our faith centered in Jesus. And then we're going to confess our sins receive his forgiveness because when we say I'm a sinner he says don't be afraid I'll never leave you nor forsake you join with me in confessing our faith I believe in God the father almighty creator of heaven and earth I believe in Jesus Christ his only son our Lord he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary he suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, my fellow sinners. Let us confess our predicament and receive the Lord's solution. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. And God is gracious to all who confess their sins. And in humility, ask for his mercy 
Because he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. And this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. And it is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you who have not been here long. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come. Because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you.